Before we get started, I want to thank California Closets for supporting our podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Domino's new podcast, Design Time, where we explore spaces and places with meaning. I'm your host, Jessica Ron Perez, Domino's editor in chief. Each week, join me along with creative visionaries who will share their journey to designing spaces that move you. We'll explore the emotional side of design, from the ritual of gathering to a mood boosting paint trick to the renovation tips that will inspire your next project. Home is the best place to start exploring personal style. How do you shape your world from the inside out? Let's discover now on Design Time. There is a certain level of polish and style associated with organizing the Martha Stewart way. There is reason for this, and much of it traces back to Kevin Sharkey. Kevin is the Executive Vice President, Executive Director of Design for Martha Stewart Living, and for over 25 years has been Martha's right hand and creative confidant. He is a visionary decorating editor, creative mind, and one of the most organized people I know. His West Side apartment in Manhattan features a number of stylishly organized spaces that lean heavily on color. Beautifully designed floor-to-ceiling bookcases with hundreds of books arranged by Hugh. A graphic all-black closet that rivals the merchandising at any chic store. And an epic china and silver cabinet for his encyclopedic collections of tabletop. His organizing solutions are as hardworking and precise as they are intuitive and cool. Any conversation with Kevin, I walk away inspired and always having learned something. I'm so excited to share my conversation with Kevin Sharkey with all of you. Kevin Sharkey, this is so exciting for me. I'm so happy that we got to do this. As am I. It's long overdue. Long, long overdue. We are obviously going to have to catch up in person, but I feel like this is such a treat for me. And talking to you about organizing is like the holy grail here. So, I mean, I <laughs> forever people in design have been arranging their books by color. You actually were one of the first people to like do it, but then like supersize it. How did you sort of start getting into that, gravitating towards really arranging things by color? I've always done that. I actually don't like rainbows. So it's kind of ironic that someone who doesn't like rainbows has to organize everything as if it were a rainbow. Mm. And it's just, it's how I remember things. Like Martha called me yesterday and was looking for a certain book. And I said, oh, it has a powder blue spine and let me find it. And, you know, I was able to retrieve it pretty quickly. It's not arranged by a category or author or anything like that. It's arranged solely by color, but that is how I remember things. And, you know, my areas of interest overlap a lot. So I might be looking for a book, you know, on verdure jewelry, and there might be a photography book or a garden book on either side of it. And it still all relates. So it, for me, it always makes the journey of looking for something so much richer. And I feel adds so much more to the experience and the end results. That makes complete sense. It's immersing yourself. 
part of what I really want to do with this podcast, which is how do we give people an audio experience that you're actually having a way to visualize something? So I really wanted to give everyone another visual experience besides looking at their phones, besides scrolling through images. How are we diving into design in an auditory way? What I wanted to do was explain the room now that your bookshelves are in in your apartment, because you've kind of turned that into a reading bed, right? Yeah, it is. It it, really, that is so chic. My bedroom went from being very beige and zen. It was a platform bed, and I had a carpet that was made almost wall to wall, but not quite. So um, it was a lot of carpet, a platform bed, a giant painting, and minimal furnishings. It was very, very severe and minimal. And I went from that to black walls. The carpet is up and out, and every wall that could have a bookcase on it does. And my bed went from being a platform bed to captain's bed it has drawers underneath so it's a lot higher and there are four drawers for storage which i love and i had it upholstered in velvet and then i had a bolster made for the back like a greek mattress style amazing on the sides and then a, a triangular bolster along the back and it's just this giant not giant it's a queen size uh, mattress that's upholstered in velvet I'll never forget the time that Martha saw it for the first time. <laughs> it was when we were shooting it for California Closets. We were doing an, uh, an ad campaign and she came in and the bookcases were up and she had seen all of that. You know, I had asked her, you know, should I do all the white books behind the bed and blah, blah, blah. I got, I got all the advice and counsel I needed. Behind your bed is all white books. Yeah. And the wall on the left is all the colored books and the wall on the right is all black books. Anyway, the mattress arrived the day of the shoot and Martha decides she's going to come down during lunch to see how the shoot's going. And she comes down and she takes one look at the mattress and she's like, what were you thinking? What on earth possessed you to make that color choice. Why didn't you ask me? You know, I'm good with color. And I'm thinking, um, I'm good with color too. <laughs> but she was kind of right. The bold choice was it's purple. I'm surprised too. I mean, I love it, but I am surprised. It was Alexis. She was the one that convinced me to do it. Alexis is Martha's daughter. And she is someone who I would blindly believe or trust in any design decision because I just love her taste so much. But when it got unwrapped, and it's velvet, so, you know, if you're looking at it from the wrong angle, it can seem particularly, you know... Particularly purple? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. But I love that tip. I think floor-to-ceiling bookcases behind your bed is so chic. And in white, like, that's very calming. I have to say, I do love just looking up and seeing the spines of books. It, many a Zoom call has been more tolerable because I will just grab a book. I actually was doing this intentionally for a, a good number of weeks. I took three books out of each section and got through it by the end of a week or something. It's not like I have to sit there and read it. I'm just looking at it and I'm being inspired. And then, you know, then out came the post-its and I was tagging pages and it became a whole other thing. But my love for books is just impossible to satisfy. And did you feel like you dove into that more in quarantine and yes. early half of the year? Absolutely. 100%. The books helped me get through all that. 
you are obviously like a fierce editor and very deliberate about what you're bringing into your home, very deliberate about what you're wearing, very deliberate about the things that you're collecting. Is there a level of perfection when you think about organizing? Is that always changing and evolving? Like, how are you thinking about that? I don't think organizing is ever a task that's completed. I think that's a constant active situation. It requires incredible rigor. I think it is always evolving. But the perfection part is so funny. Trying to be perfect is just, it's the worst thing you could do. It's very unhealthy. And when it comes to organizing, you know, your, your, your needs change. When I first moved into this apartment, I didn't need nearly as much as I need now. And in my dining room, I had to, again, with California closets, um, create these cabinets because I had so much, so many dishes and glasses and pieces of serveware and all of that. So, um, as my needs evolved, my organizational strategy had to evolve with it and, Fortunately for all of us, regardless of where you're entering, whether you're beginning or you know, you're in the middle of it or you're a real expert and pro, and regardless of whatever price point you're working with, there are things out there available to us now to help us organize and keep us organized. Because as I said, it is an active situation. It's not something that you can say, oh, I'm organized and that's done. It doesn't work that way. I think you are a master at transforming spaces to reflect collections, the decoration piece and how to arrange collections, how to give items that are important to you and that you collect visual order. What are you personally into collecting right now? And what are some new and recent discoveries? Silver serveware. So, oh, jeans. So jeans is my new version of Larry Becker, although they couldn't be more different, but I just, it inspires me when I go to jeans and I see all those shapes and the, the, the forms and I just love it. So yes, that's my new passion. And actually in the dining room, one whole closet is allocated to silver serveware. And I think part of the reason I like it, I like the reflective quality. I like what it does to glass and China and all of that. I, I'm just, I, I love how it activates all those things. But also I love that, again, any price point you can get in the game. I am not a fanatic about things being 100% sterling or anything like that. If I like the shape, I don't care what it is, I'm in. Um, so that's the thing I'm obsessing with now. And of course, books, I'll always collect books. Are you a big eBay shopper? No, thank God, because if I was, I'd probably be really broke. You enjoy that physical connection of going to a store, going to a vintage dealer, going and actually seeing things in person. It's the reveal. You know, when you buy silver at most stores, you know, it's tarnished. So, you know, there's kind of like, oh, is this going to really polish up as beautifully as I hope it will? And I can go down this rabbit hole. Like I've got a silver polish kit that looks like a surgeon's, you know, every kind of cotton swab and toothpick and brush and all those sorts of things. I really get into it. So I like that surprise that can come. And then also there's, you know, you have to deal with the disappointment. Sometimes things just don't polish up the way you want and then you have to get them resilvered, but I have a nice source. So that's good. I think that's a tip, not just with silver, but with anything is to really focus on shape. Because if you love the shape of something, if you love the lines of it, if it's something that's visually appealing in that way, you can have it resilvered, recovered, polished up, anything like that. Would you say like 
when you're collecting or shopping for vintage in general, focusing on shape? How do you advise people on that? For me, I'm not usually shopping for a category. I'm not like, oh, I need trays or I need an ice bucket or something. I just go and let my eye land where it wants to land. Sometimes I have to justify in my head, okay, do you really need another candlestick? And this is only a single. And, you know, I, I can argue either side. When it comes to collecting, I'm not academic about it. I just really go with my impulse, wherever my heart takes me. But I, I'm the kind of person, you know, if you speak to any of the furniture designers who work for me, I always say, listen, I don't care what the finish is. I just want to look at shape first. So you can show me everything in just black and white drawings or, you know, line drawings. I, I don't care. If it has a good shape and good bones and good structure, it can be white, black, mahogany, teal, teak, you know, whatever. What have you learned from Martha in terms of entertaining? If we had to distill it down. What I've learned from Martha is maybe I'm just using this as a, as a way to justify my inventory is like you can always use more or I should say it's always good to be prepared. So am I like dining room seats, 14 people. So I had to have 14 of everything. It becomes untenable to have that much stuff. But Martha really taught me, you know, you can never have enough cake stands. You can never have too many platters. You can never have too many glasses. Linens are really important. It makes a big difference, like those kinds of things. And, and also mixing things up. That's part of what makes Martha's table so signature is that the landscape of the table is, is varied. She taught me the practical part, which is have a lot of things to choose from. And then the visual is, you know, don't be so parochial about having all the same stemware pattern together you know, have something shapely and then have, you know, a simple straight-sided glass or something like that. So what's the process? How do you approach what you're going to set the table with? Is it just pulling and what you're feeling or what, what does that look like? First of all, it depends on um, what room we're going to be in, what the occasion is, what she's actually serving, and that determines what we put on the table. Obviously, it's all about the food. So that's the first priority is making sure that we have all the appropriate plates and platters and bowls and dishes and glasses, whatever it is. And then it's what's the occasion? What room are we in? What season is it? What, what's in bloom in the garden? As much as we all geek out on organizing, even Team Domino falls victim to having way too much stuff. While there's lots my New York City apartment has to offer, a ton of light, tree-lined village streets, 1920s bing-and-bing architectural details, but enough storage, especially for a family of five, was not one of them. With custom solutions from California Closets, my personal closet is as beautiful as it is functional for keeping my clothes in order and my linen closet now doubles as flexible toy storage. The struggle is real. I even personalize the system with wildly patterned Pierre Frey wallpaper and colorful storage bins to complement the rest of the room's color palette. Plus, the custom design makes it easy to get organized, so my home just functions better. Now I have a space that works harder and can grow with us, especially as our needs change and evolve as a family. For over 40 years, California Closet has been a leader in premium custom solutions for the whole home. Whether you schedule a consultation in-home or virtually, working with California's genius designers is easy, 
They discuss your vision, timeline, and budget, and create a 3D mock-up of your future space, realizing the organization dreams you never knew you even had. Visit CaliforniaClosets.com for So Domino, So Worth It solutions that support your everyday needs. Going back to the early days at Martha Stewart Living, they do think for people that is actually the ultimate Bible. Martha Stewart Living was the organizing Bible. Defining those stories in those early days and what they looked like, how actually hardworking they should be. What were those early organizing stories like? And do you have a memory of either a decorating story or an organizing story that was particularly amazing? In the early days, organizing stories were harder because there wasn't this plethora of organizing materials. You know, we had polystyrene bins and P-Touch. Now I'm at the magazine 26 years. Uh, I still have the first P-Touch I ever bought. Back then, it was really hard to make stories hardworking, but also beautiful because it couldn't just be hardworking. It had to look good. You know, the three pillars of the Martha Stewart brand are function and innovation, quality at a value, and beauty. And that applies to a watering can or a sheet or a piece of information that we're putting in the magazine or a recipe, anything. You have to be able to check off those boxes. And so uh, organizing stories back then, it was hard to make them beautiful because that wasn't a concern or a, a factor in the way people were producing the product that we were using to, to organize. If you look at some of those early stories, it's, you know, folding all your sheets up and tying it with a, you know, seam binding ribbon and putting it in a basket and on the shelf with a bunch of other baskets. Like it was hard to find those baskets. Now you go to the container store, there's five different wicker styles to choose from or something. Back then it wasn't like that. That was the struggle then was to make it beautiful. I remember Martha saying, yeah, those are great ideas, but I want to look at that. I don't want to open my, my pantry and see that. I don't want to see that when I pull up my desk drawer. I, I, it needs to be better looking. And so we endeavor to do that with our content in the magazine and also in the products that we design. We were really good at repurposing. So, you know, you would take uh, jars or cans or something and then you'd paint them or paste things on them. Or there's always a way to do it. It was just you had to go a couple of extra steps. And now you don't have to go those couple of extra steps. Well, in part because the products that you've made and designed, you would do the stories, repurpose, concept, et cetera. And then often those stories would turn into the collections that you were designing and producing for the Martha Stewart brand. Yes, for sure. And we continue to do it now. So, but there's a whole industry around it. So I am the luckiest guy in the world that I got to work with the people that I worked with and, and in that situation, because I worked with the best of the best of the best. It was like being at Harvard, you know, the, the, the talent that it attracted. Your apartment has undergone a lot of transformations, but you've gone from this like very white vibe to like black and really just now redoing your closet to be from all white to black. What is that about? And how are you feeling on that? My apartment was published in different ways. Like we would use, like all of us at the time, it, our apartments and our houses became places for shoots. So there were parts of the apartment when it was white that were published, but the apartment when it was really done for the first time, 
everything was beige. There are Wenge wood floors here, at, which are the darkest wood floors you could possibly have. I had them bleached about 11 times. And they're kind of like the color of hay. Um, and that, that was what predicated the rest of the color palette. So I just wanted the walls, the ceiling, the woodwork, everything to be the same color. And it was the same color as the floor. So basically, when you walked into the apartment, there was nothing to halt your eye. The furniture was all very low. Most of it's Dunbar and things like that. And it's appropriate for this style of architecture. I, you know, I, I was challenged by that part. But my eyes needed to rest. And I also, it was 11 years ago, I was interested in subtler colors back then. Now, it's harder for me to see. A beige environment just bores me to tears. And so I painted the apartment black and all the woodwork all went black. The ceilings went back to white. That's what that did happen. So now I have floors that are sort of the color of faded hay. I have black walls and white ceiling. And the great thing about it is the apartment for the most part is all glass. So I don't have a lot of walls where there are walls. Generally, there's a bookcase on it or a mirror to reflect more of the light. So black, although it sounds scary, it didn't come in and, you know, bully its way around the place. It just actually enhanced it. And I find myself drawn to colors that are a little bit more vivid than before. And when I say colors, I mean, it's still all beige upholstery. This is something I learned from Martha. I decorate in such a way that I can live with four seasons of flowers and plants seamlessly. I don't want it to be like, oh God, why is that poinsettia in that room? You know, or oh, those tulips look horrible. And there's nothing tricky about my color palettes. They're there to enhance flowers and plants and seasonal decorations because that's what I live for. And the silver does that. Silver glass. Yep, and wedgewood, the drabware. Those are like cockies. You can wear any color of polar shirt with when you have drabware. You can use any flowers. You can use any linens. You can do whatever you want, and the plate just kind of is subtle and consistent and quiet. I want to touch on the organizing in your closet, but now that you have this sort of beautiful black backdrop, like how are you thinking about organizing your closet and how has it kind of made things feel more cohesive? The closet, having it redone was, you know, as, as, as exciting now as it was 11 years ago when I did it, except, you know, now it's all black. I forgot about the hangers. I forgot about the impact that they have on the overall. It's like the icing on the cake. If you have all the same color coat hanger, uh, you know, the color of the closet, it makes all the difference in the world. I realized that my tastes and colors when it comes to clothes have, have evolved. What used to take up two or three shelves now takes up half of one shelf. And I find that all I wear is navy blue, gray, or black. My little Tom Brown suits are hanging in there waiting to be worn again. I'm hoping that I can fit in them the way I used to. It certainly has more gravitas in this color black. And I had the island that's in the center of the dressing room. At Martha's suggestion, I had a really thick piece of black um, granite cut and had it highly polished. And I put that on top of it. So there's a little bit of visual interest and something that feels like it's striking a different chord from all the rest of it, but it just, you know, everything has a place and there's a place for everything. And we, you know, we did make some adjustments from 11 years ago. I had a lot of sneakers that I never had before. So I had to find places for that. You know, some things where I used a tray on, on a shelf. Now I wanted to pull out drawer. Um, 
that kind of stuff. I didn't go as crazy as some people do. Like there's no crazy lighting situation or anything like that in there. And it's all open. It's a, it's a room and I walk by it to get to my bedroom, but it's all open. So I didn't have doors and things like that. Again, I just, I love the reality of having fresh air. And I think a closet having the opportunity to be, you know, so close to a window is a good thing. I think I heard you use this tip, but, you know, almost approaching your own closet, like you're merching out a retail environment. I have said that before. I remember um, when I did it the first time, I had a friend, his name's Brian Coates, and back then he was an editor at GQ, and now he's a very fancy and accomplished um, fashion stylist. But I had him over and I said, I really need your help editing out what's what's going on in there because I'm getting a lot of flack for having too much of everything. And so we had a couple of empty rolling racks and then he started pulling things out. And I was like, wait a minute, I just got that. I just bought that. This is like, no way, I can't get rid of that. And he's like, this is what we're keeping. Whatever is left in the closet goes. And so I had my first um, real, real experience because I had them come in and just take it all away in like seven or eight bags filled with clothes. And um, now I have a, an email waiting for me from the real, real every single day as a result. What colors are you feeling right now? I really love green, like emerald green, like bottle green. I prefer the deeper, the better. If you think of like a Perrier bottle or ginger ale bottle or something like that kind of bottle green, when you see good light through that, that's the color I'm really into. And it looks really great, black and white, so, and tan. So it's really, for me, it's working really well. And I'm really embracing living with plants like the rest of the world. What plants are you into? I really like African violets. And honestly, I prefer them when they're not in bloom. Although I do really love the color combination of purple, green, and black and white. I wanted you to share a few tips for someone to make the most of their budget. What materials look really expensive, but actually are quite affordable? And how do you recommend people using those things for an elevated look? I think the look of sisal is great, but I think the material sisal, real sisal, is is treacherous. I don't I don't recommend people buy a sisal rug. I think people should buy a synthetic version of a sisal, um, and that always looks good. And everything that's on that always looks good if you get the right shade. I think materials that are undervalued or people don't even think to use mirror is really inexpensive and. The power of mirror is just incredible. You know, some spaces that are truly challenged um, for any kind of architectural or design charm, um, a mirror will do wonders. And, you know, you put a lamp in front of a mirror and you've got a major powerhouse combination. So I think people undervalue mirrors. I think people really should allow themselves to conceive of working with mirrors more than they do. And also, it tricks the eye, it reflects light, it creates space. In challenging times, we lean on the things that support us, uplift us, and make us happy. In this signature franchise, Domino editors ask our guests, quickfire style, about the 10 things that are making them happy. From the books that inspire them, to the personal items that tell their story, to the places they love to eat, travel, and feed their soul. Who are your design heroes? Mark and Alexa Hampton are number one. Jeffrey Bill Huber and Peter Marino. 
favorite color and color pairing. We touched on it, but color pairing right now. Green, white, and black with an accent of purple. I, I'm so, you know, that emerald green and black and white. I'm really into that right now. Favorite texture or material, textile, something you're loving? I just bought this fabric from Mood. I got a mink coat from this resale shop up in Darien, and I had it made into a blanket. And I lined it with this cashmere alpaca blend. And so it's just, I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed. So cashmere is de- definitely my favorite fabric. I also like voile. Um, just because it's so specific and the effect is so enchanting. Favorite restaurant you can't wait to go back to or you continue to go? Hotel you can't wait to return to and city you miss? Paris, Hotel Duc de Saint-Simon, and Arpege or Le Vin de Bellechasse. Restaurants that I really love when I'm in Paris. Paris is the place I really want to go. I love staying at the Hotel du Saint Simon. So charming and small and pretty. And I love Lavenda Belchasse is just such an easy restaurant and makes me feel like I'm, you know, taken care of. And Arpege is just a gorgeous and delicious and over the top. Favorite New York restaurant? Nougatine. And I also love Majorelle. Favorite design object of the moment or thing in your apartment i'm obsessed with this giant bag of velvet swatches i have from schumacher i'm so obsessed with it it's like as if i got crayons the jumbo set when i was a kid that kind of excitement so that's what i'm obsessed with right now favorite furniture designer jean-michel franck book providing inspiration right now and film you've recently seen tv show you've recently seen providing inspiration the film that I go back to constantly for inspiration is Pillow Talk. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just finished a book called The Last Mughal, mm. um, which was really amazing because it was so descriptive and evocative of India. Those are my most recent book and my kind of go-to movie. Favorite plant, maybe we touched on that. And then what flower for this season? was one of the questions Martha asked me when she interviewed me. What's your favorite flower? I said a carnation, and she looked at me sort of askew. And then she said, you know the Latin name? I said, yes, of course, it's Dianthus. And um, we went on and on about that. Carnations have such a beautiful form. Their petal structure is amazing and varied. I remember when Hannah and I worked together on a carnation story, and we did the glossary. I was just dazzled by how many different forms of carnation there are. And I love that smell. It's sort of like a spicy, it's a spicy smell. And I love the colors. Favorite vintage source and home-focused retail? Artifacts in Kent, Connecticut is my favorite antique store. It's called R like Robert T like Tom Facts, F-A-C-T-S. And then your second question was what? Home-focused retail, which could be the same. It would probably be artifacts, although I do love Porto. Favorite way to unwind? I ride horses. Favorite cocktail right now? What I'm into now is the Belvedere on the rocks with a big wedge of orange. Because as the ice melts, it dilutes the vodka and you've got that orange there. That's kind of my thing. And I'm not embarrassed to say that I totally lifted that from Martha. Iconic space that continues to inspire you. The Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston. 
I took painting classes there all the time. I've books and books filled of versions of Al Jaleo, which was um, a, a sergeant painting that's there. That's so beautiful. What are the most important elements of a well-designed space? Function. Because if it's not functioning, it's always going to be an irritant. So I think something that functions, a window that opens. So function, air, and um, I don't care if a room's dark or light. That part doesn't bother me. I think it should be comfortable as well as functional. Those things are more important because you can make anything pretty if you really want to. But if it doesn't work or you're not comfortable in it, what's the point? comfort has obviously become so much more paramount in the last year as people are home. But I do think there's a trickle down. We've already seen it with design and what's out there and the materials people are gravitating towards, like the boucle and the shearlings and all of that. And people wanting like that comfort and coziness. How do you think people are like prioritizing that at home? I agree with you a hundred percent. People want something that's comfortable. They want something that's durable. I think they do want a tactile experience. They don't want just, you know, a polished chintz, but then that team polished chintz group is very appealing to me because I just love the idea of those rich saturated colors. And it's probably because I live in a, a very modern apartment with very modern furniture. I, I love the idea of upholstery and all of the frippery that goes along with all of that. But I have a feeling that most people are going to go for comfort. I think also maybe color. I think people are a little bit more comfortable making bolder decisions when it comes to color. Thank you so much, Kevin. This has been Thank you. so fun. I could talk to you all day me long. Too. All day me long. Me too. I'm so flattered that you invited me and we are long overdue for a catch up. And we will catch up. Design Time is produced by Team Domino, with special thanks to Alex Redgrave, Linda Denahan, Aaron Cunningham, Madeline Montoya, Erica Maltz, Kay Wang, Britt Ashcroft, and Ali Elquiza. Our theme music is by the talented Alex Weinstein. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. See you guys next week, right here on Design Time.